What's up, nerds, and welcome to this week's episode of Nerdables. This week, Rich, Ethan, and I discuss Bob Iger stepping away from the CEO position of Disney, Steven Spielberg stepping away from the director's chair of his latest movie, and Lucasfilm finally reveals its Project Luminous. So, a giant, loud, that's way too loud. Ow. Uh, so, two subtractions and an addition. Two out of three. A lot of stepping away this week. A lot of stepping away. I feel Lots like I've heard that already. Yeah, it's almost like we don't know what the hell we're doing but with this stupid Brody thing that we've been using the whole freaking year. Did Iger really step away, though? Yes. Uh, on Tuesday, Bob Chappick was named the CEO of Disney, succeeding Bob Iger. Iger will continue as a Disney chairman through the end of his contract, which is the end of next year, 2021. Uh, Iger steps down as CEO immediately and assumes that executive chairman role uh, right now. Chappick is the former head of theme parks. The appointment by the Disney board was a bit of a surprise. Some insiders thought the job would be going to Kevin Mayer. Uh, Kevin Mayer see, oversees the company's streaming efforts, including Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and anything else that'll come about. Uh, in a conference call with analysts, Iger explained the sudden move by saying he wanted to allow Chappick time to get a handle on all the aspects of the company before he steps away for good, which he's expected to do at the end of next year. Iger's highlights include the acquisitions of Pixar, Marvel Entertainment, Lucasfilm, the merging and or acquisition of Fox, whichever way we want to define it. He and Chappick oversaw the opening of Shanghai Disney, as well as the twin expansions of Galaxy's Edge or Star Wars Land in both Disneyland and Disney World. He also oversaw the re redoing of California Adventure. California Adventure. He saw the reinvention the re of Euro Disney. Yep. And the uh, the second land in Euro Disney. The, Disney, um, the reimagining of that second land, too. What is that one? Is that like Hollywood? It's the, yeah, it's the Hollywood land over there. Yeah, because originally they made it into these like big, just like yeah, it was like a California Adventure type thing, and it just didn't, well, it was I just having the idea of like having a stage. smaller second foot. Yeah, it was just a a thing. So Iger, of course, I mean, he's a gentleman that that spent something like forty two billion dollars in acquisitions between Pixar, Lucasfilm, Fox things, and he's turning a profit. Yeah, um, he's got it back to where it was in the early eighties, where they were. Always having a profit. Yeah. And, and you know, he succeeded Eisner. If you know the story, it's 2005, 2004, 2005. Eisner was basically pushed out by Roy Disney, or yes. at least he spearheaded the efforts. And um, actually reading through that part in, in his book was he was asked by the company to just sort of sit in the interim. And he said, no, you either give me CEO right. or don't give me anything because they're not going to listen to me if they're just waiting for somebody else. And he kind of took it and ran with it. And, and established himself as as this sort of new era of Disney, even more so of our our corporate overlords. The fact we have three topics today, they're all Disney topics. Well, most of our topics, usually most of our topics, yeah. If if anything, I'd say if we go past the last three years, ninety percent of our topics are Disney related in some way because sure. they control so much of the media. Or they're what topics that we have end up being tied to Disney in some way. Or, shape or form well that's because we always go fall back and talk about star wars <laughs> for no reason um see this okay yes this came as a surprise i, I think it's more of a surprise of who he picked instead of, of that he's stepping down because remember he was supposed to step down in the beginning of 2020 he was supposed to he was supposed to leave the company completely correct before but he stayed, this year even started but he stayed on because of the Fox Act was actually he was asked the, the, the thing that it said in the in the article I read from the Los Angeles Times is he was asked by the board to stay correct and he agreed I agreed because he said it's unfair to no, okay. get a CEO and go okay here's what you're gonna do 
You've got to oversee the rest of Star Wars, mm-hmm. oversee the two biggest movies in the Marvel franchise. We're expanding both parks with a billion dollars, and you're going to figure out how to get Fox integrated into our system. Not even good you're, luck. You're leaving out Disney Plus. It, it just, well, all of it. Yeah, I think even at the time they didn't know because remember Disney Plus was later. It was after Fox merger, you know, the Fox merger was there, and part of the the discussion of it, and we had the discussion here was we thought part of the reason to act to to uh, acquire Fox was Fox was ahead of them in terms of streaming right. and what the platforms they had. And then almost immediately after that merger really started to take place, they announced that Disney Plus was coming. Yeah, I think... Remember, I think, I think, I think, I think from, from announcement to, to drop date was less than six months. That we know of. Yeah, that that's, was that's what I'm saying, yeah. Um, but yeah, I figured this was going to happen already. You know, the last year, 2020 to 2021, he steps down and works as a... You know, shadow. He he stands there to train the new guy. Well, he also said that part of the reason that he's stepping down in that same interview was he wants to concentrate more on the creative side of stuff. Right. So, if you watch the Imagineering story, and it's funny because someone on one of the speakeasy groups that I'm in talked about, I've started watching the Imagineering story, and man, this is amazing. And I reiterated, you know, like the Mandalorian is this great dessert, and yes. the world, according to Jeff Goldblum, is this beautiful snack. But the meat and potatoes of the dinner is Imagineering. He's like, this is amazing. This is really good. Totally. I, I, that's one thing I hope that they can figure out a way to continue. Or just, like, interview more people and cover at the same times. I don't care. I just want more. Um, but when you see Iger interviewed in the last quarter of those episodes, you know, five and six, mm-hmm. is it's his time. He really does have a passion for those parks. Oh, totally. I mean, they all do. But especially, you know, he said he made a big deal about the fact that every – head from Walt to Roy to Michael to him made an impact through parks. Yes. Walt obviously opened Disneyland. Roy opened Disney World and started the deal for Japan. Eisner finished what was going on in Japan. The park and was opened their Euro. legacy. Yeah, there's, everyone had a park that's their legacy, and Shanghai is Iger's, and he just seemed to really love the, the challenge of those things because not only – Opening Shanghai, but quote unquote fixing Euro and fixing California Adventure. Not only that, I forgot how much of a disaster California Adventure was when it started because I never went. My mom used to go. She was she went like when it opened. She's like, yeah, it's nice, but there's. But you also had Hong Kong and the refixing of Hong Kong. The Hong Kong expansion to the second park Mm -hmm. in Hong Kong. No, he he did a lot. I mean, and that's why you kind of wonder where the next park's going to be. That's why. That's what I was gonna say. Australia, I was like, I'm, I'm wondering what's our next park. You just go to Austra- Australians travel, man. They go to to Shanghai and Japan all the time. It'd be a good way to bring in more people. Be honest. If uh, if if you're going to pick one place that isn't touched, Russia. No, South America. That's what I was, I was gonna say. South America. South America makes but some South sense. South America. It's just there's it, it's it's really dicey, but so is Hong Kong. What about Africa? Africa has Africa has the same uh, issues or South the same Africa? challenges. South Africa's tough. There's a lot to get. I See? mean, South Africa's fixed a lot of their problems, but they're still there. Or do you go to Britain? No, you. It's an hour to get to Euro Disney. Sure. That's the thing. Well, Europe, Europe is so that, small; it doesn't matter. Britain's doing that other park with uh, was it uh, Paramount or something like that? Is that well, supposed you can to be have like more the Walt than one park. Yeah, you think about how much space they have in Britain, though. That's the other challenge. I mean, that's South America and Africa give you a lot of land. But sure. anyway, the, the, the surprise or do you for do it, one in the Midwest. 
We talked about that already. We've covered that before. Yeah. It's not a park issue. The thing that we're talking about is Iger stepping away. And, but the park issue is Chappick is there working with Iger to do all of this stuff with the park. So that's why mm-hmm. it wasn't a surprise as in like, it wasn't a shock. It was a bit of a surprise, but it wasn't a shock. It makes sense. Yeah, I'll tell you. He's worked under Iger directly for a long time. He's been extremely successful with what he's done. And it's not just parks. It's like parks and right. I can't remember. No. Um, I can't remember what the other thing is, but it is it is like like physical assets that they have and control, like buildings and other things that they would do. Sure. He's he's got all of that. <laughs> of course, you're also forgetting the cruise lines. Yes, that's a part of what what he did as well. Um, but the thing was, we know that Iger stepping down. He's becoming an, an entertainment executive. He's not necessarily he's not leaving the company. He may. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he even stays on with the company after 2021, just in a different role instead of president. Um, I could see him retiring after 2021. Yeah, but retiring in the sense of I'm not doing as much still doesn't mean that he doesn't have a connection to the company. I could see him spending a lot more time with the Imagineering department. That's what I could see. Because the, the, the one of the big things that we saw with the Imagineering is he was probably the first person besides Walt that was the CEO of the company to really get in there and love being with the Imagineering. Oh, Eisner was too. Eisner did, but also... The, problem, the, the thing with, Eisner, with, with Eisner's thing is Eisner wanted to spend all of the money and could never rein anybody in. One of Iger's uh, strengths was to balance that, to figure out how much do I have to spend in Imagineering to give them a pretty much everything we yeah. want but also not waste my money on doing stuff that's never going to come to fruition. I think that's a big part of what he well, was Eisner doing. Well, Eisner also gets a bad rap because everybody remembers the end of his career there. You forget that Eisner after his partner died. that company. Right. That company was going bankrupt. Yeah. Eisner is still the best negotiator Disney has ever had. Well, Eisner's the ABC the one bought, story. ABC yeah. was sort of like, we're not doing this. No, they were negotiating with ABC for months. Mm-hmm. He walked in, sat down, locked the door, and three hours later, they owned ABC in Capital City. That's Cities. the other thing he used to do that you, you never saw Iger do, was he, he did the wonderful world of Disney like Walt used to do. Such a different time. Oh, I know. It's such a different time. Iger's still a public figure. He's at Galaxy's on. Edge. He does the videos. He 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 did stuff at, at D23. Could you see a, the uh, Magical World of Disney, say, on D Plus or on uh, Hulu? Maybe, or but you have a different Or do you host. do it on ABC because that would bring people do back both. to watching it? You do both. You put it on ABC and Disney Plus, but you'd find a different host. The point is, it's, a, it's not about the content sort of thing. We're talking about going forward, what do we see Disney doing? with Chappick as its lead. Now, you have someone in Mayer who is still in charge of streaming services, which is obviously the big thing that they're doing. Almost everything is is pushing towards D+. Right. As we've seen Star Wars projects and Marvel projects and Disney princess projects and cartoons and all this stuff sort of pus- put pushes itself towards D+. And I almost wonder if that's part of the reason they didn't promote him. Because, like, we need you oh, there. I'm, I'm sure, especially... Especially after acquiring Hulu, and now you're basically running two streaming services. You're running three because you have ESPN Plus as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. And ESPN Plus is as important as anything because Disney, uh, like two years ago, when the cord-cutting f- phenomenon kind of started and really picked up steam, there were reports that Disney was trying to sell ESPN because it was shedding mm-hmm. viewers so quickly. ESPN Plus, and that's why I said it was a part of that that package was desperately trying to get people to start to get used to going to a streaming service to watch Monday Night Football 
to watch college basketball, mm-hmm. college football, to watch the NBA, to watch college football. Well, when you have places like uh, Stadium and Facebook doing, you know, live broadcast, and Amazon, Amazon, Amazon has a. T- I could. I was shocked by how many things are on Amazon as live broadcast mm-hmm. that aren't um, territory restricted. Yeah. So that was pretty amazing. So it it also like, what do we see next? Them what do we? Sony. What is what is Bobson? can't see them buying. I don't think they'd be allowed to buy Sony. I don't know. They couldn't. But I can see them pushing another company to buy Sony. Well, Sony gets acquired by another company. Yes, it's to, to try and rival Disney. But yeah. It's sort of well, how many acquisitions the are Sony's there? Project, I guess Sony's properties will start going back to Disney then. So it doesn't They're matter acquired, who buys yeah. them. Well, I think the only thing that the only properties that they have are the uh, Spider-Man properties. Yes, but that's still something that goes back to Disney. Yeah, if which if they're purchased right now, they're saying the Spider-Man property is worth two to three billion. Someone that's even, really all that Sony's someone, worth even for. someone even really said four billion. I can't imagine that Sony's property that, that Spider-Man alone is worth as much as Lucasfilm was in 2012, or by what Marvel as a whole was. Yeah, that's I mean, odd. That's putting a lot. You know, because it's Marvel be, Entertainment as a whole, but also Marvel Entertainment as a whole that didn't have Spider-Man. Right. In terms of a, of a movie license at the time. Or X-Men. Or X-Men. Or Fantastic Four. Or, well, yeah. nobody cares about Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four <laughs> don't care about the Fantastic Four. They will when they're part of the MCU. Mama Storm don't care. Yeah, well, that's everyone's like, if it's on, if it's on the MCU. Did you see that the, um, the first mutant... Um, uh, Take the tangent train. Bring it back. We're going to do, do a shorter show here. Yeah, right. okay. But Black Widow. It could be as soon as Black Widow. So Eisner, I uh, Iger. <laughs> we can go back and talk about Eisner some more too. It's part of. I didn't. I mean, to see some of the the responses online, like I'm so glad he's gone. He screwed everything up. Like, what did he screw yeah, up? Yeah, that's what I didn't understand either. You take a company again. He's a man who spent seventeen four and four is twenty five. So it's thirty thirty billion dollars in terms of acquisitions and mergers. And and turns it into a profitable business. Like we didn't lose money on Lucasfilm. We didn't lose money on Marvel. We didn't lose money on Fox. Pixar. Come on, but yeah, Pixar. So everybody forgets that the Pixar contract ended right about the same time as Eisner. And he, Bob Iger, acquired Pixar. Right. He convinced them. He convinced the board to buy Pixar to save the animation division. Yes. He said, "We're not going to have an animation division without Pixar." Pixar. He was, you know, even as an executive. Everybody thinks. Everybody's thinking Iger is the one that ruined their childhood by, you know, ruining Star Wars. So that's why they're happy he's gone. We're going to get to that with Podrick Luminous because let me tell you. I know. There's a, there's a reaction to it. I don't understand it. But, you know, it's, it's just anytime you don't like something, you always blame the You can't just sit back. I mean, on the, on whatever thread that, that I actually posted on, it, it was the certain same sort of thing. I'm like, you guys are blaming somebody and thinking he did a bad job by acquiring as many properties as possible and hitting – Hitting home runs with every one. He didn't acquire something that turned out to be crap. Correct. You know, everything he right. did worked. Shanghai Disney. Oh, no, that's going to be that's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. No one's going to go. Oh, what record attendance numbers for a new one park? of the high, yeah, highest grossing yeah. parks. Um, the coronavirus is a problem, but that's not his fault. Maybe it is. Maybe he started the coronavirus. Like, you know, what? I don't like the China park. Let's, let's, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was a quarantine zone? Everyone had to go to Disneyland and just stay there. Inconceivable. Not really. It's kind of conceivable. Yeah. It would be awesome. 
I would want it. It's like, you know, just give me the coronavirus. I'll go to I'll go to Disney Shanghai for free for a couple months. Eventually the money is eventually all the uh food runs out. <laughs> but it's gonna Food never runs other. out at, at Disney because you can always kill the feral cats and just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you hear a crunching sound behind us, it's serious. the dog the dog sitting. Serious the dog munching on his boat. Now he's ripping up something else. He started ripping up his pad in there. I think I don't understand that. That he's already ripped up, but My, he's joined us more. He's a puppy. You he's know, sure. he's joined he's us for more shows lately than Mikey has. No, he's only here. It's Mikey's, Mikey's dog. Here. He's here now, and Mikey isn't. So one more. He's just as vocal. So it's one more than what Ethan has in the last four weeks. Too. Says the man who we had to send home so he could do the broadcast from his house. Hey, you know well, he's talked more not being home. here than he has when he's here. Why do we have to send him home? I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it didn't. No, well, you know, I had things to do tonight, so I'm joining you through. Be on the show. Nerdable Satellite One. Nerdable Satellite One needs some more quality control. <laughs> since since uh, it's, we it's to record on a Thursday. Well, yes, yeah, so other people also, were missing. Also, I think your microphone's too close to your mouth. Or something. You're like super mumbling. So what else have we got? <laughs> other than silence. Other than silence, uh, well, we got that. I think we need to take the board away from both of you. <laughs> On Wednesday, we learned that for the first time in its nearly 40-year history, an Indiana Jones film will not have Steven Spielberg as a director. Variety has reported that the auteur has stepped away from the director's chair for Indiana Jones 5. Nothing is confirmed yet, but many sources seem to indicate that director James Mangold is the front writer to take over the helm of the film. Mangold directed this year's Mango. Mangold... Not the not this SNL character. They're getting a mango to direct the film. Uh, that would be awesome. You know what? That might be better than Indy Four. Indy Four. What's Indy Four? I've never seen it. Every uh, weird film that Mangle directed this year's it's Best Picture like nominee, room. Ford versus Ferrari, and most famously directed 2017's Logan, the hard R-rated gritty look at Wolverine, which garnered both box office critical success. Spielberg will remain as a hands-on producer of Indy Five. <laughs> Reportedly, his decision to leave the director's chair was entirely Spielberg's with the desire to pass along Indy's whip to a gen- new generation and to bring that generation's perspective to this story. Were you the one that wrote Indy's whip? No. Okay, good. Um, I probably would have used that, though. Uh, Harrison Ford, you wouldn't use Indiana Jones, for the time being, is still on the project, for the time being. Uh, he recently told CBS Sunday Morning this month that he was going to start doing Indiana Jones in about two months, but then day, days later told another website that the film is still facing, quote, scheduling issues and a few script things, end quote, and that, quote, we're determined to get it right before we get it made, end quote. Spielberg is what, 85 years old? I mean, he's, he's, he's up there. Harrison Ford obviously is up there. He's not 85 years old. I think he's 60. Yeah, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to shoot the Indian. See, we didn't need yeah. to use the thing because of there. Um, yeah, but this is an actual both, comment from him. Yeah, He's but it's not about this. See, the thing ass. is, I can't Ethan tell if, if Ethan's doing a joke or not because the the mic sucks yeah. so bad. <laughs> He's not, not much sure. better than Harrison. Yeah. Um, I tell you, we could do this in with both of them being at the age they are, and the fact that as of right now, we don't have an actual film da- filming date start date. What are the chances this film doesn't get made? Uh, I don't Disney wants it bad. Or he delayed it quite a bit. But that's the thing. You can't delay a film 
too far with Harrison Ford when he's expected to be the action star. Yeah. How much action do you think he's going to be? That's in? what I'm talking about. He's already someone who probably can't do half the things that you're expecting from an Indiana Jones film. So Spielberg was born, wow, the day before my father. December 18th, 1946. He's older than my dad. So he's what? Oh, yes. What did you say? 1946? Yeah. I'm sorry. Pop was born in 1940. Not so six he's years younger than he's 73. Yes. Yeah. Because I was here when my mother was born. You see, in the end, he's 73 the, years the old. Issue. This is what the issue is with doing all these reboots and re or whatever you want to call them. It's just, you know, when you're trying to hang on to the nostalgia factor, so you're going to keep trying to get these actors to play these roles, it just diminishes the quality of the film because. You're trying to replicate something that happened 30 years ago, and they can't do it physically, or they can't do it. Uh, maybe <laughs> you didn't uh, see Force Awakens. Uh, Call of the Wild. Call of the Wild looked terrible. Yeah, number one, one, or it's up there. Which Venom was the number one movie for a weekend. That yeah, doesn't but, mean anything. But he was out in the snow and doing physical stuff. Was he really out in the snow? And who do you think's older, Steven Spielberg or, or Harrison Ford? I think Harrison Ford's older. Harrison Ford was born in '42. Yeah. Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford was old at Star Wars. Harrison Ford was old for uh, American Graffiti. He was old when he was working on houses in Hollywood Hills. Um, what was it, the Bernie Sanders joke? Bernie Sanders was born, he came out, and they sit, and the doctor said, Here, you're ha- uh, happy birthday. Or, <laughs> here's your son, an old, <laughs> little old man. Yeah, I know. That really, really went belly up. No, that's, that's, not, that's not appropriate. <laughs> so... That's my point. Harrison Ford is older than Steven Spielberg. And yes. Steven Spielberg, for many people, looked at many people saw this and were like, of course Steven Universe. Why, why would he do this? Did you say like, Steven Universe? Yeah, Steven <laughs> Universe. Why would Steven Universe do this? Uh, why would question- Spielberg do this at his age when he's got more than enough money, he could retire 55 times? What about John Williams? John Williams is older than all of them. Yes. And that's the other thing. is he's he would s- Williams is a little different. He doesn't have to be on set. He doesn't have to travel. He True. doesn't have to edit. He doesn't have to go, you know, look over the final cut of the film or anything. He has to sit in a recording studio, watch the movie while he's conducting. Obviously, he has to write the music yes. as well. And if it's anything like the last, look, he's never done a bad soundtrack to me. But he leans heavily on stuff he's already written. Sure. For all the last films that he's that he's well, scored but, for Star Wars. Yeah, but you kind of have to. I don't think you have to because he didn't for the prequels. The beginning and the end, you kind of have to. I'm not talking about that. You listen to the soundtracks for oh. 7, 8, and 9. It's outside it's of Ray's theme and Kylo's theme. There's a lot of Star Wars, sure. a lot of episodes 4, 5, and 6 in the middle. When you listen to 1, 2, and 3, that's not there. 1, 2, and 3, the best thing of the prequels is John Williams' score. But because he doesn't, he doesn't... Uh, rely completely on the themes of before to kind of give you those pieces back. Sure, but in the di- one of the major differences in one, two, and three than four, five, six, seven, eight, nine is four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You had Luke's theme. I understand. You that. had Leia's theme. I understand that, but at the same time, you can also close it up anyway. Sure. Um, well, <laughs> there is a possibility because we made the joke all the way back when they said that Williams was going to do seven and we assumed he would do eight and nine is that Williams could die before nine comes out. We're probably at least two years away from this film. If it's not going to start shooting until end of spring, 
Yeah, I was you've say, got a they, year. They had they had an, uh, a really a spring or a he shoot had, date. Ford had said they were going to shoot in a couple of months when he was interviewed on right. CBS Today. That weekend, doing press for Call of the Wild with whatever website. I don't even remember what the website was. It was like Guy Up or something, or just something I never heard of. He we said that they had, ske- they had scheduling and script issues. They still had scheduling and script issues, uh-huh. which means you're probably not ready to go in two months. If the scheduling issues with who's already there, and now you have to find a new director who can schedule his time. J.J. Abrams will just step in. No. <sighs> no, 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 no. I like J.J., and I think J.J. does, JJ does very well with the material that he has, to ha- he has to do. Episode 7 is an impossible task, and he made... An enjoyable film in my eyes. Yeah. Episode nine, he's asked to step in after someone else had already written a script and he threw it all away and did what he did. Obviously, fans seem to like it enough. There's enough fans that liked it because it wasn't Last Jedi. That's so true. do I think he's the right for something like this? I watched Last Crusade was on Paramount Network or, or whatever, uh-huh. and I had it on the background when I was doing something. Then when I went to the gym last night and I went to the cinema room, they're playing Last Crusade. I was like, I just watched this. Here's something. <laughs> you I'll watch, you hold on. Me. You watch Last Crusade and you watch that type of film and it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of craziness and you're like, yeah, this is Indian. And you watch it today, especially when he goes down in the catacombs and he just rips the femur off of a dead body, the skeleton, yeah. it, oil burns, flips everything. And you have to stop and go, dude, that's someone's remains. Didn't we talk about this last time? Probably. I think we did, because maybe Cause I watched had, it just we before. We had Indie the, News last time. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. But it's still, <laughs> you need, you need, needs a strong word. I would hope you would find someone with a defter hand that really does kind of turn a little bit of his story on its ear. It's a tough thing to do, because right, you've, well, already said it, you've already said it in the 50s. How far forward are you going to go? I've got a director that will blow your mind. Did you say you and walking out? George Lucas. George Lucas they is going to direct again. switch roles. George now I would becomes be fasc- a director. I'd be fascinated to see what a George Lucas directed directed Harrison Ford indie film would be. I'd be fascinated by it. It would be bizarre. <laughs> it would be what you wanted. Flip it on its end. It oh, I, I don't think I don't think it would be what I wanted because it, I'm talking about a deft hand. Yeah, I know. Mangold's a little different than George Lucas. Ryan Johnson. I don't need somebody. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> Lucas it shot film, so well. Lucasfilm fans would no. Right? Oh, I, I was watching. I watched the throne room sequence in the crate sequence for um, for Last Jedi the other night uh-huh. because on Monday when I went into the cinema room they were showing Last Jedi. And I still don't understand why they didn't use speeders in that, the snow speeders. I, well, actually, I do because then everybody complained. It's just Empire. That and I think visually it was easier to show the breakdown. The cockpits aren't complete, yeah. stuff falling off of it. Yeah. And also the visual thing of the monoski. Excuse me. The monoski hitting the, the sand yeah, and, and putting the red. Yeah. Um, That's how you break it up from yeah. the Empire. Someone like Mangold would be very interesting to see if they let him play with the script. If the script's just going to be, you know, Indian Sri Lanka grabbing a stone, you're like, oh. What about Peel? Mm, I don't know. I don't know, it's it's a tough thing because, you, or I've, you know, like we have we have a lot of directors in the last you know couple of years that have done great movies. Like what about like Ryan Col- uh, Collier, the director for Black Panther. Coogler? 
Coogler. Is it Coogler? I think yeah. it's Coogler. It's C O O G L E R. Coogler. Yeah. Coogler. Yeah. yeah. You're right. That'd be what interesting. about a female and, uh, director? That'd be interesting too. Or a female director. Yeah. There's, I mean, we just have a ton of, you know, directors now, in, uh, like I said, in the last couple of years that are probably great. There's a lot of people. Two TV. It's not even Two TV. You also have to find someone who's interested in doing that project, and we don't know if someone is or isn't. So obviously, you give them enough money, they'll do it. They go to Deborah Chow and like, you want twenty million dollars to do Indy Five? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? Could it be a stain on your reputation? I have twenty million dollars. I'll do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> I, as I, I was reading this brothers. on Wednesday and kept thinking about it through the day, Russo I brothers would put would be a, the Russo brothers aren't going to do it. The Russo brothers already have a ton of money. Going ensemble. Out of stuff. Well, yeah, I know they're not going to do it. I'm just saying. No, they 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 work better with ensembles. Um, Winter Soldier isn't really an ensemble. Uh, we There's four main characters. That's it. And then Robert Redford, who you don't really have to direct. Uh, I would still say it's kind of yeah, it's more of an ensemble nothing. than some of the others. It's just as much an ensemble as almost any other film that isn't Iron Man. No, because it was really the first one that had multiple Multiple from other things, heroes. but still, Iron, Iron Man 2 has War Machine, Iron Man, Black Widow, two villains... Do you really count War Machine? He's not there till the end. Rhodey's in the whole film. Yes, Rhodey is. Yep. Eh. Terrible in the middle, but there you go. Um, reading everything and kind of thinking about it, I'm. I would not be shocked if this film got canceled. To be, to be honest with you, is there anybody that really wants this film? Though I think there's like, a lot of people that want it, but. As we've said with Star Wars fans, sometimes we have to protect them from themselves, and you're not right. sure. This could be a good film. To me, as I've said multiple times, if they really explore what Indiana Jones was in the 30s and the 40s versus what today, 50s and 60s, the kind of change that you're going through. You go through the Cold War. You go through the 60s. You know, you've been to Korea. You're going to Vietnam. War is a very different beast. We have to remember, between 1945 and 1965, war in this country changed drastically between, you know, our boys are going overseas to fight for freedom and the, the well-being of people to what the hell are we doing in a country where they don't want us and they're murdering people? Like, the changes in that and that type of sentimentality. Well, aggression and Well, yeah, but the, the, the sentimentality of the changes in our culture explored through Indiana Jones, who traipsed around the world in the 1930s to try and stop the Nazis in Mola Ram from doing bad things to people, to the 60s where maybe he's not as gung-ho with what he did. The problem also is Indy 5, if Indy 5 takes place after Indy 4, which doesn't exist, but well, let's pretend it does for a second, how the hell are you going to deal with Marion and Mutt? Because it's his granddaughter. I don't think Mutt's old enough. By now, if you keep, because now here, think about it. Indy, Indy is now the age old Indy was in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Diagram that sentence. <laughs> it's as old as old Indy was in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. <laughs> Remember when the young, when he was old, but he was the old old in the young. So. You could have it where Mutt's not in it because Mutt. But then you're just rehashing the Mutt story. But you're going to rehash it. Because it was obvious from the point 
when he's in the library, like, oh, that's going to be his kid. Right. Oh, totally. When they first showed him, you were like, oh, yeah. that's going to be his kid. Well, when it first showing, I was like, you know, when the, when actual first cannibal came looking to him. You know, we came looking for him. Yeah. But I'm saying that chase you, sequence is actually still pretty good. Well, the motorcycle? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's cl- that's that to me is classic Spielberg. Going back to Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, it's one of those chase scenes. Yeah. Um You mean the one that he goes through the the school? Yeah. And everything? Yeah. yeah. Fun. Not yeah, the one with the one. fire ants. No, no, not the one in the in the jungle where, where, where he's the monkeys are terrible. Yeah. No, but you could do it where where I mean you yes, you are kind of rehashing that, but you can get away with it with the family dynamic that they had. Somewhat. And then she basically start, you know, is following in his footsteps or following in the grandfather's footsteps that she never knew. And then Indy has to come in to it save seems her. So forced. It feels so forced to me. Not any more than what four was. That's the problem with four. He starts That's forcing thing things. Three. Look, he, you could say he three starts, was forced. I've already said, I've said that numerous times. I've said that. When I was in, in 1989, Last Crusade is by far my favorite. In 2019, it's take out four. It's the bottom. Yeah. It's an exact order. And I, because the campiness that, that Spielberg got to, because he's happy. That's, happy Spielberg is not a good director, apparently. Because um, we get Temple of Doom, and he's admitted he was going through the divorce with, what was it? And I can't remember her name. It was, I think it was Pharaoh. I can't remember. Uh, he was getting a divorce. Yes. And he wasn't happy. And he met his future wife on that set. But he's always alluded that that's part of the reason that Temple of Doom is so dark. Because he was just angry and he yeah. was upset. So a few years later, he gets to Last Crusade and it's just like. He's now a family Come man. on, Dad. Yeah. Let's let's hug it out. Let's. And I still like that film. That film is imminently watchable. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't like dislike it. it. But I, can I don't it. put yeah, it over the other two. are great. The, so, the thing that. The, the biggest great. problem that I have with three. Going back and watching it is Marcus. The Marcus of Raiders is completely forgotten, and yes. Marcus in the, the first ha- first half of it, the point where Indy comes back to his father's house with Marcus and it's and it's tossed and do you believe in the the legend of the Grail and and he says you know believing in something or whatever, and then he says call Donovan and tell him we'll take a ticket and Marcus says I'll tell him we'll take two. Yeah, is a really like that's such a great moment, and then immediately when he gets to the plane like. What happens when we get to Venice? Don't worry. We have an apartment there. Dr. Schneider will meet you. Don't but stand But how are we going to know yeah. that that is... A, the, and then... But even when they get to Venice, when Indy crosses the bridge and he tries to give the flower to Dr. Schneider and she takes it and then they're talking and they're still flirting and Marcus is like, I hate to like rain on your parade, but what the hell are we doing? Yeah. That's the Marcus I wanted. Like, that's awesome. The no-nonsense guy that's like... Egypt. And he gets to Egypt and it just flips on its head and yeah. he's a bumbling dolt. Yep. For no reason. And that's what drives me crazy. And I still thought you could do it. You can do the scene in Egypt the same because it's nothing to do with him bumbling. It's to do with the fact that the Nazis were smarter than him. All Sala does is tell him to run. And when he runs into the the building, the building is a front for the Nazi truck. Right. Which is impossible because they would have seen it from the side. But whatever. Um, It's a movie. That's perfectly fine, and then you don't see him again until he's in the, the car in the in the in the in the, in the, in the caravan. You know, in the, the great lines like, 
well, I'd rather spit in your face. But since I haven't got any spit, and he went, goes to take it, and the, the tank commander takes the thing from Except for the scene in Egypt, and when he's riding the horse away, you know, follow me, I know the way, and then he starts yeah. to fall off the horse. He got lost That's in his fine. own museum. The Lost in the Old Museum is a great line, yes. but it doesn't fit. No. And it doesn't fit the Marcus and Raiders. Right. And Raiders, oh, I found it. It's weird, because it's like oh, this whole anything coming up on my, my Facebook memories was my thing about watching Raiders a couple of years ago and just be like, this was Spielberg at the height of his power. It's shot so well, and yeah. it's such a subtle hand. The whole the meeting with the with the the guys from the army mm-hmm. is beautiful. When he's at the apartment talking to Marcus about going and, and gorgeous, the whole shot of, of him and Marion in the Himalayas, yeah. Oh, and it's just like it's so. Well, even the fight in the Himalayas. Oh, the, the fight's amazing, except for the one thing that always drives me crazy: his punches. No, <laughs> the film gaff from it. The film oh, flow. yeah, yeah. The revolver that turns into the yeah. Or actually, the the the, the revol- yeah the revolver that turns into a, a 1911 yeah because they shot they sh- reshot that whole thing when they decided to give him a revolver yeah I was like oh that it drives me cr-. even as a kid like the when the maybe the first time I watched it on home video because you know my, my father was always into pistols and stuff so I was too and I'm watching like that's not right that's hold on rewinding a tape look it up kids okay Wembley Wembley that's a 1911 what the hell. He, that's, where does he change guns? Yeah, but his punch is always driving me nuts where it sounds like he's punching somebody's punching lettuce. But the thing with it is they kept that through the whole thing. They, not even, But going back to Younger Indiana, they kept mm-hmm. it there, too. It's To me, it's a great pulp sound. Yeah. Like, it's just... That and the, the, the gunshot sounds are... You know. That's fun. Um, no, I could see them. I could see them... Especially nowadays, doing something with a granddaughter. Never thought we'd have Palpatine's granddaughter. Never wanted to have Palpatine's granddaughter. I think that's the more important issue. Um, well, if JJ now, ends up uh, record or directing it, I guess you'll you'll probably get that. Who directs it? it? Who did you say would direct what? it? I'd say if J.J. Abrams directed it, you'll probably end up getting something like no, that. No, we just get lens flares. No, she'll be Hitler's granddaughter then. <laughs> um, that's Oh, man, that's my fear, too. <laughs> if they go back to Nazis. Yeah. Like, well, we did the Russians, but all the, all the successful ones have the Nazis in them. Temple of Doom's not as successful as the two around it. Let's, go, let's just do Nazis again. Neo-Nazism um, in the 1960s. So you made a comment earlier about the, you know, the fans want this. I think that Disney wants it more than the fans. I wouldn't disagree with that, but I also think that it may. Because Disney, Disney didn't just buy the I property. Know. They had to buy the distribution license, too. Well, the distribution license doesn't. I mean, you're going to make money from the distribution license one way or the other. Yeah, but they had as to Sebastian buy it said in our th- Paramount. But as Sebastian said in the thread, the 4K release is going to make money. You know, the I don't streaming. Know if I want that in 4K. Well, we'll see how it does. I mean, because you know, there, there's certain movies. I don't even remember if I have it in Blu-ray. There's certain movies um, that just from the back then that do not look good in 4K. There's a lot of there's a lot of films back then that don't look good in Blu-ray or 4K. Most of the films from back then don't look good in 4K. Yeah, because they're not shot for it. And I mean, anything that uses the the blue screen or or whatever that the other effects that are there. I mean, the, the thing that always drove me crazy when they did the special edition for return of the Jedi is it didn't fix the, the, the shadowing or whatever of 
the the rancor scene with Luke when you see the hand come and grab him. There's the black all around it. Um, the Tie Fighter sequences at the end have the same thing. So it's always kind of I don't know. It, it is tough because when you when you're you're up, you're basically. Uh, um, the funny thing is, what's in the, Mandalorian the, uh, they still kept that Tie Fighter. What's look. the what's the word of the like upscaling or up upcharging or whatever? I can't even think of the things. Probably upscaling. Up, yeah, when you're upscaling up, the the upscaling, yeah. the the resolution, it really kind of does that. Well, I mean, just you see. You know, it's like easier when you get to 4K and stuff. You can tell stop motion. You can still tell. You know, it's not in 4K. You can tell that when it was in high def yeah. before even Blu-ray. You know, the first time they were like, "Oh, look, we transferred it into high def," and yeah. you watch those first ones that are in you know 480p, and you're going, "Wow, that looks like crap." Yeah, which is why kids don't go and watch old movies anymore. <laughs> watch Star Wars. These are dumb. Like these special effects are stupid. I can totally tell it's a model. Why didn't they use computers? That's because uh, they didn't have them. <laughs> Last Starfighter. Last, oh, Last Starfighter. I think I've seen that once. Really? Yeah. It's fine. I like it. Good concept. But I'd like to see it now. I, think I, I, haven't, I probably haven't watched it in about That's the type of movie to me. Like, if you're going to remake a movie, maybe make that movie. They're supposed to. I know. But that's the one, like, push that out. Because, look, it's fine. But... And it has its fans, but isn't that a movie? That, that's a movie that you look at and go, I could see that being better than the original with today's technology. Like, sure, especially. Because you can do so much more. Well, I know ugh, I'm setting myself up for failure with this. Don't even start. Don't do it. Don't. You know you're going to do it, and then i gotta, I got to tear you apart. With Armada, <laughs> Ernest Klein's other book where he. The one where he just stole Last Starfighter? He, but he doesn't. Yeah, but he does. No, he doesn't. Yeah. He More so Ender's Game. Because they're. Well, yeah, he'd seal Ender's Game because less people probably know Ender's Game. <laughs> but uh, also, it's hard to do because isn't Orson Scott Card like a terrible person? <laughs> but you, but you can do that now, where the video game console is your arcade, you know, your your stand up arcade. Yeah, you do. You, mean, you have higher, you know, a, a real simulation. The U.S. Air Force is using video games to right. train drone pilots, so. But that's what you use. You use a real simulation well, type the, game. Um, Matt Fraction has that story in, the, in his run in Iron Man where the, um, I can never remember the name of the, the Asian company that tries to take over. They do the, the mobile game where uh-huh. people get together and they like blow up bad guys and you find out they're really pil- yeah. piloting drone armors that are like killing people in Afghanistan or whatever. Well, that's kind of the plot yeah. of uh, Armaged- or yeah. Armada. Yeah. If you can call it a plot. You just um, do not like his writing. His writing is terrible. I love his writing. Hey, good for you. It's terrible. He's not a good writer. I lo- I enjoy it. He's not a good writer. Not I enjoy all. it. He's not a good writer. I read those books at least four times a year. I read a lot of people that are not a good writer, and I'm perfectly okay to say that's not a good writer, but I like it. He is not a good writer. I just don't understand how you don't like that. Because it's terrible. It's not written well. It's, it's a terrible concept. It almost fits into the, the Doctor Who, the... The Firefly. Doctor Who, I've admitted, Doctor Who's good. It's just not something I'm interested in. Firefly, I'm sure, could be fantastic. I don't give a damn anymore because all the brown shirts ruined it for me for 20 years going. They're brown shirts. Brown coats. No, they're brown shirts. Trust me. (laughs) Brown coats. They're brown shirts because their way is law. Joss Whedon is a god and everyone needs to bow at him. Joss Whedon is a kind of a dork. Joss. It's Joss. I say Joss, you always think it's Josh. No, it's Joss. I'm saying Joss. 
You keep hearing it as Joss. And I'm, you keep hearing, when I say Hulk, you keep hearing, when I keep. No, you say Hulk. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Ernest Klein is not a good that. writer. It's, as evidenced by the fact he's written two books and that's it. Ready Player One's from 2006. Yes, I know. It's almost been, it's been 15 years, 14 years. He has two books. Well, he's working on yeah. Ready Player Two. Mm-hmm. Hopefully hey, he gets a ghost writer. Money on, if you're making enough money on two books, then you don't have to write anymore. Oh, hell. Um, well, yeah, once he finally, when he sold the rights for Ready Player One, I still can't believe Steven Spielberg is the director of that film. And it broke him. Now he doesn't want to do films anymore. <laughs> there you go. Ties it right back into it. Mm-hmm. Though we can tie into it with Ender's Game because Harrison Ford was in the botched yes, he was. Uh, adaptation of it. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, teased heavily during last year's Star Wars celebration, Lucasfilm finally revealed the secrets of Project Luminous on Wednesday. In a major announcement, Lucasfilm revealed that the project is a multi-platform publishing initiative that covers novels, YA books, and comic books. The story is set 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace and is titled Star Wars High Republic. High Republic features a Jedi Order at one of its greatest peaks as they fulfill their charge as guardians of peace and justice throughout the galaxy. The initiative uh, features an all-star lineup of authors, including Charles Soule, uh, who's done numerous comics, Darth Vader, he's the current writer of the Star Wars book. He did Poe Dameron. He did a Lando story, Lando miniseries, which is one of the best things you'll ever read. Um, is that the one with where Lobot? That's the Lobot one. That's lo- Don't give it away. That's the Lobot one. Yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, that's so uh, it includes Kevin Scott, who did uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, which is an, an audio um, an audio book. But he also did Tales from Vader's Castle, which is a it's their, the Star Wars Adventures line, but it's really really well done. Claudia Gray, who did Master and Apprentice, which I loved. Justin Ireland, who but did she Lando's also did Lock. Bloodline, which she you did. snoozed through. Bloodline is good. It was hard to get through the first quarter of it. Bloodline was really good. It's Bloodline, a Bloodline burn. is Bloodline is very. Um, she attaches a lot of pieces to it. Yes, I I liked that book. I had a hard time getting through the first quarter of it. Once I got through it, I flew through the rest. I loved Master and Apprentice. Uh, Justina Ireland, who did Lando's Luck, and Daniel Jose Older, who did Last Shot, which was the Han and Lando book uh-huh. that came out just before Star Wars. Uh, before Star Wars, before uh, Solo. Solo. Um, I'm going to read some quotes that were on StarWars.com from the Lucasfilm publishing creative director, Michael Sigland. Uh, the first quote, quote, he was asked about kind of where this came from. A quote, this was an idea that I always wanted to do with Star Wars publishing and that I wanted to tell a massive story told across multiple formats over multiple years for every type of fan. So if you're only reading a Del Rey novel or you're only reading a Marvel comic, you're getting one piece of the story. But if you're a core fan and you're reading a Del Rey novel, a YA novel, and a Marvel comic, you're getting a much bigger part of the story. You're getting the whole picture. It's not as if one story aged down or up depending on the format. There's not one A story. Every one of these stories is an A story, and they combine together into a massive, massive story. He was asked about the, t- the setting uh, and the time frame. Quote, we're going 200 years before the Phantom Menace. We're seeing the Jedi in the most heroic light possible and really focusing in on what they're doing. There is a theme of exploration and expansion to the galaxy that's involved. So looking at it that way, all of these authors are doing the same thing. They're exploring the same way and seeing what can we push, what can we do, how can we make this as big and as epic as possible, but still make it 100% authentically Star Wars. That's the creative challenge, and it's a good one. And much like everything else that has to do with Star Wars, this was met online with universal praise. <laughs> oh, wait. 
I was the yeah, only right. person in any of the threads I was in that was excited for this. Oh. It's, it's well, I guess I don't care because I was right. You tagged me. It's um, hi- it's hyperbole. Well, here's, yes. Here's the funny I have thing. A, I have a question too. So we know that it's all uh, just publishing right now. As of right now, yes. Into, do you think they're going to adapt it into like movies or they, TV series? Um, in the same interview, if you go to StarWars.com, there's a very long interview with Sigland and all of those authors, and it's fascinating. And Pablo's on there. And Pablo's on there as a part of the story group, yes. Um, mm. They do say that it is open to every avenue, TV, movies, comics, uh, uh, video games, everything that they haven't touched yet. They're going to start in publishing, and I think you're going to see publishing is the cheapest thing to put it out there and see how people react. I think right. some of those uh, development movies that we've been hearing or projects we've been hearing about, live-action ones, could be tied to this. Very much so. Probably, yeah. And they do mention, um, we had kind of went through this on the thread in terms of a character that we would know. You know, Yoda would be alive during this and be a part of the Jedi Council, or the part of the Jedi Order. And they mentioned it in the interview. You could see a character like that at some point. Yeah. There are some connections that you can make, and see, they're excited for some of those connections. Younger. Well, now that he's a digital character, that's easy enough to do. Yeah. Um, so, for someone like, for me as someone who has enjoyed 90% of the publishing, there are very few things in the Canon publishing since 2012 that I have not enjoyed. So I'm really excited for this, but you've also enjoyed the crossover stuff. Like, I've, enjo- I've enjoyed all this type of stuff. Like uh, going back to shadows, of the empire shadows, of the empire was Lucas's film. Lucas films first attempt at a multi-platform uh, property or project. Yeah. And they've done very little, Really, Force Unleashed was the next time they would do it. Close. The comic the comic book and the books were basically adaptations. But they still gave it, yeah, but it's still a, pro- a platform thing. It's, it's yes. You're starting with a game, and you're like, if you want to flesh out the story of it, you go pick up the publishing that's for it. Um, it's not as, it wasn't as tied in as, as, as And then Shadows the only the other Empire thing was. is uh, Blue Harvest, where it crossed between, um, crossed between Empire and Old Republic. In the comics? In the comics for Dark Horse. That wasn't Blue Harvest. Yeah, it was. Was that the name of it? Yeah. It was the two, it was the... I remember the story. It's the It's the Jedi. Yeah, the, they the, called the it Blue Sith. Harvest. Interesting. I don't remember that. I remember the, I remember the crossover because, yeah, it was, it was they, had, they had said it's all, it's between all four books. And you're like, you have one, you have Legacy, two books in the OT, uh-huh. and one that's at 4,000. How are you going to do it? I'm like, it, dude, we've already had Sith spirits listed, you know, for thousands of years in the old EU. See Here's what I, the smartest thing about this project is one they called it high Re, high republic, so so we can we can change Star Wars Day to four twenty. <laughs> there you go. That was everywhere. I was just, oh my god! So you don't, as of right now, affect any of the old Republic fans. They mentioned it in the in the interview too. It, not necessarily as that, um, but that they're in an era that's unexplored, so they can do whatever they want. Yes. Because everybody, because as soon as they saw it, the first comments were, "Oh, Revan's going to be in this," because that's why they're making all these Revan toys and doing all this stuff. No, with they're Revan. Just out of toys. <laughs> the, you know, and Revan. That's why the. That's why there was a battalion named after him in the uh, Sith Armada. No, Revan was four thousand years before this. You don't touch Revan. You can mention Revan, 
but you don't touch Revan. Yeah, that seems to be what everybody wants. I know. That's the the, the hard thing is reading this, and we'll go into more of kind of what this, this would be and what we might want from it. The reaction to me is, is, is here's the thing, and I'll just go for a little bit, which actually helps because Rich is leaving. Um, he doesn't want to hear this. I'm someone, I know, I'm working on it. Hold on. I want to make sure I get this right. Vector. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't Blue Harvest. Vector wasn't Blue Harvest. Yes, but it wasn't. I was gonna say it wasn't Blue Harvest's. Yes, Vector was the name of the of the thing. Um, it's driving me nuts. Yeah. So, as a fan, I said like I've enjoyed all the publishing. I'm excited for this, and I have a hard time wondering why. And I know why because they're not really fans. Why people aren't? And I, and and here's the thing that I'm thinking of. This is this is something that I've that I've kind of thought in my head as, as I've been reading some of the, the comments of, of people that were, were in, in the thread on the Star Wars Facebook page when they announced this. I don't think they've read any of the new stuff. No. They don't even read the stuff that's set during the OT. It's Correct. not even a push of like, I don't want to deal with anything in the sequel era. I don't think they deal with any of it. There's two things I can see with why fans are upset with this. One, it's all publishing. We'll get to that in a minute. Two, you mentioned you suddenly you went before the Skywalker saga. As soon as you as soon as anything gets mentioned before the Skywalker saga, everybody automatically goes to the old republic and wants the old republic. They think they want the old republic. Because what's gonna happen is once they get the old republic, that's what I've said. All of that stuff that was there is no longer canon. The only thing the only right person now it can be considered yeah. Pseudo canon. There's nothing contradicting it. Correct. My thing with there was one commenter that when I engaged this person, I understood when they said, "What I want is legends novels of Kotar. I don't care if they count or not. I want something set in what we've already read, what we've already played in terms of the game, what we've already read in the comics, what we've already read." And I said, "Okay, I get that's what you want." Not something new that is definitely canon and it contradicts anything. He wants to bubble that um, that Kotar era yeah. and continue inside of it. It's like the, the the prime universe for Star Trek. Not J.J.'s, but the prime. Right. We're telling new stories in the prime universe even though J.J.'s films exist. Right. We're getting Picard. We get other, you know, Discovery is set in the prime universe, so on and so forth. And that's the one person I went with, and I was like, okay. But I engaged with someone who's like, I want new Kotar novels. I want new canon stuff. I said, you realize that's just going to piss you off. Yeah. Because you know they may change Revan. They may change Malgus. They may change, uh, uh, um, why am I losing, Zane Carrick from the comic. Mm -hmm. And I'm really just sort of like, it's easy enough to write in Kotar era and not contradict anything because there's so much going on. Oh, and sure. that's kind of what this is. You're at a point where the galaxy is still huge, as they've said. There's there's unexplored regions that are still out there for the Jedi to to get into. The Republic is as big as it's been or as small as it's been. We can kind of I love finding out about where is the Republic at? What is this universe? We're gonna get for me, being excited, I get new characters, I get new planets, I get new aliens, I get new factions. I get new starships. I get new villains. Designed, I get new, yeah. It's like this is exciting stuff, and, and I don't always like what they do. The direction of the force into even more of the classic fantasy sorcery, I've never really enjoyed. Right. The religious aspect of it that I don't enjoy it as much. It's there. I'll take it. Okay, fine. 
I'm fine, and that's probably what a lot of this is going to be. And I'll read it, and I'll probably enjoy it for what it is. The galaxy is also smaller, so the outer rim's probably not the outer rim. The outer rim might be someplace that you've already explored, but where and it's not the outer rim now. But no, that's back also, then, no, it would. That's be, what I'm saying. The outer rim back then is, is the normal space reason. now. No, the outer rim back then because you're not shrinking, you're expanding. So what's the outer rim 200 years ago is now normal. It depends you know? on if you. If you if you try to keep a what somewhat of Kotor, then the core Well that's the other problem. The core to, is the, the central point where they expand out from. Yes, that's not, what I'm saying. So when you're not expanding from, out let's say Tatooine. No, to that's the what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If you're in the core and you're expanding out, the expansions of the core that we have in the in the original trilogy or the sequel trilogy, that's the unknown region two hundred years what I'm ago. Saying. That's what I'm that's Tatooine would be. No, the you were region. you were talking about it the other way. No, 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 no. I was saying that Tatooine and all the outer yeah, rim this is the ex- would be the, be the unknown region. I don't want Tatooine. I don't want anything we've heard before. Correct. I want, give me some new planets. You know, give me Coruscant, fine. Corellia, fine. But Alderaan, if you're off and then whatever, yeah, just go out and, and, and let's go see Dantooine stuff. would be as far as I'd go out. Dantooine might be the only planet I'd say go ahead and explore Which is it the Because mid-rim. you don't see anything except in a little bit of the publishing here and there. Yeah. Um, so. No, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Nalhada and some of those others. But you get the you get the uh, in Clone Wars you got mo- most of it. Yeah, we well, also get Nalhada in the Star Wars in the Marvel comics new Star Wars series yeah. in canon when Luke goes there. Yeah. So I think part of it is a lot of the comments, and especially early, where I waited ten months for this. It was just publishing. Well, it see, here's publishing. The, I was going. I was thinking like, what did you expect it to be? There was no way they were going to tease you Kotor. for. They, no, they wanted a new movie, and I'm like, they're That's not going to no tease thing. you ten months ago that there's a new movie coming. When you ha- you still at the point at the point in which celebration happened last year was after Solo. Yes, before Solo. Isn't it in spring? Solo was, was in spring. May. Solo was in May. So it was before Solo. Oh, it was right before Solo. Yeah, it was April. No, wait. Um, no, that that's not last year. That's 2018. I'm an idiot. So it was well after Solo. It was like a year after Solo. Um, yes, that's yeah, celebration yeah. was. <laughs> Um, do you think get, it, I couldn't uh, get the ad at stuff right now. I can't get time right. They're not going to oh, tease didn't, you we before. That yeah, we'll here, do that at the, the end. Um, they're not going to tease you for ten months before Rise of Skywalker comes out that there's another movie coming. Correct. So as soon as they announced it, and then the other thing that drove me crazy is when they showed you the people they were interviewing. That was the other thing. They're interviewing Daniel Jose Older. They're interviewing Claudia Gray. Uh-huh. They're interviewing Justina Ireland. And I'm like. They're not script writers. Right. They could be, but they're not. You're not putting those five or six people together to write new movies. When you see names show up like Filoni. Yeah. And if yeah. you're like, hey, the next project we have is Filoni, Deborah Chow, John Farvro, and, and Taco Waititi. Yeah. That's either a movie or a TV series. Yep. Totally. You know, or because those are film directors. Or both. Yeah. They, they all worked on The Mandalorian. That was kind of their, their same right. thing together. So, ew, gross. Um, I she poppy. lost her foot. Hopefully, maybe the um, dog ate it. But yeah, this there was to, there there was no doubt about it. It was going to be something with publishing, and why not? Because if it does isn't well publishing received, is the safest thing to do. If it's, it's not cheapest. well received, you don't hurt yourself. Exactly. You don't. One of the things that um, I'm terrible with names. She was like the managing editor when uh, of the Legends books as well. 
Oh, um. And she talked about, uh, yes, I can see her face. She's got that beautiful curly hair. Mm-hmm. Cannot remember her name. Patty? Yes. Damn, Patty? I apologize. She's not listening Patty to this. So no, it's not Patty Jenkins. <laughs> but when, when I went to, when we went to Celebration 2015 and I went to the publishing panel, she talked about those nine book, like the legacy book series, which was nine books that were interconnected. But she went back to New Jedi Order, which is like 18 connected books and saying she'd never do it again. And part of it was if the beginning fails, you've, you've already pot committed. In terms of a publishing event like this, where you have all these different types of things for it, you're going to have a lot come out in a very short amount of time, and you're going to see fan reaction to it. And you can decide, we're going to stick Patty with Hurst. this. Patty Hearst. No, it's not. No, it's not Patty Hearst. <laughs> I was just seeing it. Wait a minute. I just wanted to see it. You knew it wasn't Patty Hearst. <laughs> she held the Star Wars books hostage just, for a long time. So quick. Yeah, no, well... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Now I'm waiting to see who it is. Well, I'll find it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in. I'll find it, but go on. No, now we're just gonna wait. Oh, because this is gonna be the most boring podcast. Yep. This is gonna make our our uh, our three followers really pissed off. <laughs> you know, I don't even. Doug think is going to. I think Doug he's the only one that he's the only one that listens now. I'm pretty sure Eric doesn't even listen anymore. Once he was on, I was like, eh, I've achieved my 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 goal. I'm done. <laughs> I got on the air to talk about Ethan's bathroom habits, and then I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of pub- there's a lot of publishing that coming about in a short amount of time, and fans will tell Lucasfilm whether we're interested or we're not, and it's very easy to, to move away from it and go back to doing whatever they're going to do. My question in terms of this is, is this all we're going to get in the next year in terms of publishing? I mean, obviously, we're still going to get a Star Wars comic book and a Darth Vader comic book. But especially for the novels, I wonder if all of the novels and YA novels are going to be set in High Republic. You mean in 2021? Yeah. Through the rest of 2020, because it yeah. starts in August. That part sucks, too. We don't even get the start of this until August. Like, I saw the cover for for um, uh, Charles, Sor- Charles Soule's first book, which is, I think it's like The Light of the Jedi or something. And I'm like, I want to read this, like, right now. And they showed some of the the designs for the villains and stuff. The villains are described as like Sullivan. Was it? Mm, I don't remember. Um, the, some of the designs for the, the villains, it, they're listed as kind of like a Viking race. Yeah. Of like individuals sure. that are kind of assimilated together and they look cool. I'm excited, but there's new bounty hunters. Yeah. You get so many new characters, so many places that you can play. And it's also between the comics, the YA novels and the novels, as he said, it's a connected story, but it's not a B C D E F G. You're just like, everything's kind of set through it. So you might have novels that are very, this is the Jedi and they're also, and you have a comic book series that is, this is the underworld of bounty hunters and scum. Mm-hmm. And you have YA novels, which is like, these are the, 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 the scavengers, or this is the, the, the archeologists or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And there's great promo imaging that's out there. Again, starwars.com has that great interview. I read through it before I did the show. Uh, actually, I skimmed through it. I didn't did read you notice a couple of the lightsaber hilts were uh, crossbar, but they didn't have extra blades. Interesting. I just know I was surprised that you didn't like blow a load all over your phone when you saw one of them was yellow. Well, I saw, yeah, I saw one was yellow. Well, he did. I wonder if this is the spot to describe why, if we're seeing on, uh, through this green, yellow, blue, it's purple, the perfect, it's the perfect time. Why do when we get to Phantom Menace we have purple, one purple, and everything else is blue and green? 
Well, but you don't see, see the Jedi Temple Guards because the Jedi Temple Guards are yellow. Are they true lightsabers, though? S- yes and no. That's they, what I was thinking. They, they're have, yellow because they're not a true. Some not true have a, a true hilt because that you know they're selling that at, at Galaxy's Edge. Really, they is, sell stuff at Galaxy's Edge, which is the Jedi Temple Guards hilt. Mm-hmm. But then in Clone Wars, you also saw them as staffs. I think that it's just a different type. Which the yellow always was the guardian color. In terms of what we got eventually. Yes. It used to be color didn't really matter. It's just a preference. Right. And then people tried to assign colors to blue means this and green well, before, means this. And I was like, well, was Anakin canon. used a whole bunch of different yellow sabers. Right. So. Well, then they started, they said before, you know, before there was canon, they gave the, the different colors a class. And then they really did that when they got to the video games. The video games yes, kind of. but that was, the thing was, is there wasn't a story reason for any of it. It was a video game reason. KOTAR is the one that gave them the first time. No. Yeah, they didn't make any sense. I kind of like the fact that it gives it a certain class. It, it does. It like the more. thing with it is it doesn't make any sense in the it new... It doesn't make any sense when you get to the Padawans and, and Jedi. Once you, once, the... you, once you get to the, the prequels and, and the, the OT, the, the, also, the, the, the colors yeah, don't make any sense. Also, the colors that are getting, you know, whatever you, know, whatever you are you had a as a you a bunch of different colors, too. Right. Back well, in, you know, did you also notice there orange, was a white saber? There's white, there's this, there's that. No, in the uh, High Republic. Yeah. They had white. There was almost an orangish color one. As long as it was it's like, we're still getting away from what George is doing. Um, I did love, <laughs> there was one guy on, on the thread that I was commenting on that he was brilliant because he just attacked the EU guys. Because, right, nothing in the EU was trash. That great book where Luke Skywalker falls in love with a starship and basically, like, yeah. kicks off his protege and tells her to get the hell out of here so he can have sex with a ship. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. He kind of goes from there. And I'm laughing because I read all the EU stuff up to the Yuuzhan Vong, the New Jedi Order. I read the first two books of that, and then I was out. Uh-huh. And I didn't finish New Jedi Order, and I didn't read a lot of the Old Republic stuff. I didn't read a lot of the prequel stuff, and then I read the the um, legacy book series, which is different than the comic series. Yes. It's you know old Luke Skywalker with his son and everything. And I look on it. I had the same feeling then that I have for this project, where like I couldn't wait for the next thing and read it and find out what the new story was. It it's was kind of cool. Because you like to read. It's like to read, and it's also most I, people I nowadays don't to, read. I want that's actually not true. More books are sold in this. That is that is very true. More more people are reading. The problem is is. I think less vocal people read. Yes. The people that are on these types of things are not reading. And that's right. what we see. And that's why we get this false assumption that nobody reads anymore. Right. More people in this country are reading. Now, are they reading 450-page novels? No. Are they reading short stories online? Are they reading digitally? Are they reading They're reading Fifty yes. Shades of Grey. No, only your wife does that. Um, <laughs> there are a lot more people than my wife reading now. My yes, wife, but, but your wife was the only one that I bought the book for. Well, she, um, she yeah. Then she read it, and she's like, Oh, it's terrible. You want somebody who can't read, who can't write? Yeah, this isn't. <laughs> this was Twilight fan fiction. No feces. They, like, come on. Um, in terms of, like, that excitement back then that you couldn't wait for something new because you wanted to see what this new exploration was. Uh-huh. And part of the excitement also was to see some of the changes they would make. I right. always point out the Dark Empire collection. I think you have it here, and I definitely have it, where it had the, the appendixes. Uh-huh. And you read those and go, None of this happened in the yeah. EU. Nope. By like four years, they just, you know, Boba Fett's origin was completely different. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, wait, we can't write Boba Fett's origin because Lucas just told us we're not allowed to. But here, when I'm reading those books and I, and I look back fondly on those books, 
I also realized there is crap in the EU. There's a lot of crap in the EU. Kevin J. Anderson's uh, Jedi Academy trilogy that people really liked. There are elements of it I love, but there was so much of it I hated. The Sun Crusher was so stupid. Oh, God, the Sun Crusher We're so tired of all the the things. And then they bring the Sun Crusher into the... Even the Black Fleet Crisis, a a book series that I really love, the second book is not good because Luke's, you know, journey to find his mom and the white side of the force and she's lying to him. That's where the great Jedi came from, isn't it? I don't think so. I think the great Jedi was just somebody made that code up on the thing. They took the the Jedi code and the the fake Sith code and were like, the great code is that you can... I want to be the but Jedi the that's a good guy, but I can is... still murder people. Looking for his mom, and obviously none of, you can't tell him who his mom was because Lucas, you can't have yep. touched the 20 years before and all that type of stuff. But the other, the, the, the Lando one where he finds the, the derelict ship is awesome and everything that happens mm-hmm. with Han and the, is it the, is it the Yavetha, I think? Yeah. Are the aliens and, and they, they take over the Empire ship in the, in the cluster that, that I love that series. The that was great. Were awesome. Yeah, and the, um, the Rogue Squadron series is amazing. That's my favorite. I and have this feeling though, even when they get to Kotor, or whatever is going to be Kotor in the Star Wars universe, Revan will be like a Mara Jade. It's on that platform. Of you don't well, yeah. touch it. The thing is, it's going to be hard to do Revan and get the approval. of all the fans, basically. It's gonna You're never going to get approval from it the is fans. like Mama Jade. Mara Jade. Mama Jade? So, What's up, Mama see, Jade? See, here's, here's the other thing. is, Remember, Mara Jade was up on the fan mm-hmm. figure things during the last, during mm-hmm. since episode seven to now. I think there's a reason they didn't make her during that. They didn't want fans to get confused that maybe Mara Jade was going to be canon. Now that you've... No, I think they're just like, let's make another Luke. But now um, that you've done, now that you've finished that, you can make the Mara Jade. It'd be figure. really interesting if they decided to do some of the EU figures. They've only done Jaina. The, yeah, the the one cannot be canon figure is Jaina. Yes, Revan. You know they've made Revan. Revan can easily be canon. Right. It takes place in an era where it doesn't matter. The stormtrooper commander from the video from yeah, Force Unleashed just, can be just paint. Yeah, he looks like Vader's group pretty right. much. You know, um, in terms of the 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 Kotar thing. You can do it if you really do just adapt it. Mm-hmm. Because. Well, then you might as well just say it's, that's canon from now on. You could do that. I think. We've seen it happen before. A lot of this in terms of the canon, non-canon. And I've always explained this. And this is where it drives me nuts that Star Wars fans are this stupid. You can't hire someone like J.J. Abrams to do a new film. Hand him thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pages Mm -hmm. that just take place after Jedi, Mm -hmm. not even including the Kotar, not even including the prequel stuff, not including anything that's before episode one and thrust it at him and whoever his writing partners on and go make this make sense. Yep. And everyone just says, why didn't they just do an adaptation? Because they, it's old. No, everybody wanted them to do the, the they wanted them to adapt the Thrawn trilogy to do it as a film. Why? You already read that. It's already there. And it's impossible because it's five years after Return of the Jedi, and it's been 40 years since Mark Hamill played Luke Skywalker. And you knew the only way they were going to do that is if they recast the three of them, you would have had a hissy fit. Well, now you could do it because you can de-age them. It's going to look terrible. Oh, no. You can't do that for a whole film. Oh, I know. I mean, you can, and you can get an Oscar nom for it that's completely undeserved, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Are you talking about The Irishman? Yes, talk about 
It's the best picture. It's four hours long and nobody watched it. <laughs> Just as I said, I guarantee you half the Academy didn't watch Parasite. I guarantee you 75% of the Academy never watched more than 30 minutes of the Irish. Well, now you can't because it's going to be on Hulu. Hulu. Um, yes. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else to say for it. I'm excited for it. I thought it was worth it 10 months, but I'm, I'm a guy who likes the publishing well, We've stuff. already got our first taste of it, too. Sort of. Sort you of. haven't mentioned... An introduction. Yes. Charles Soule, who's writing the current Star Wars book. Through an um, Easter egg. Through an Easter egg. Because this this was started... Although... This is the... The article mentions, like, this started in the summer of 2018. Yeah. As they were talking about this this thing. Soule knew what he... The book is written. It's That's just why written. I wonder if the Game of Thrones guys were supposed to be making a film... Or a couple films within that time period. I don't think so. I think the Game of Thrones guys were asked to do whatever they wanted to do, and whatever they pitched was something that Lucasfilm didn't like, and they may have said, let's try and do something else. And they said, um, see that over there, that building that says Netflix? They just gave us $100 million, so F off. Yeah. I, you know, it. we're never going to know. And yeah. that's the oh, I hate that with this. Like, I want to know all these backstories. I want to know. Um, because it's been going on for so long, what you doing? That's your dog. Wow, the dog just wanted to be on the air. The Talks dog really likes the Game of Thrones guy. Yeah, apparently he's really mad they're not talking Star Wars. Um, Charles Soule, who wrote the first book, is writing the current Star Wars series. And issue two, he mentions a space station. During the time of the High Republic, there was this gigantic space station that was used as kind of a waypoint as they were expanding out towards the galaxy and the new hyperspace lanes, and as they were trying to figure out where, you know, where they could go and what they could do. And I was wondering in the the painting that the artwork that's on the to- the cover for the first book, there's a space station in the background. Oh, it's the same one. I think it's, yeah. Well, because... I got to watch the video again, because they show that they show the design of that spaceship yeah. in the video. There's a great announcement video, which I thought was fascinating. I did too. I'm sure other people... because <laughs> There's a whiteboard, and if you pause it, there's some cool stuff on it that I really liked and I thought was important. One of them was dinosaurs. Um, um, but there was a diversity thing in it, and yes. of course, I don't want more diversity, I don't care. And I you, love people that are just like, diversity isn't important. BS. But see, within the, you you had a sterilization of the Star Wars universe with Palpatine. Now you can go and you can create all kinds of different, you know, alien diversity. <laughs> One that Palpatine just sort of changed his mind on when he got to the First Order. Yes, the more women and Africans and black people in there. Let's go. Um, well, I thought you didn't like this. No, it was just aliens. Also, we can hire different people now. <laughs> The thing that drives me crazy with the diversity thing, and I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it, because if you're mad because the new books don't have males in it and don't have white males in it, and you're upset because you feel like you don't have a book for you, congratulations. You're every minority and woman for the past thousand years of storytelling right. that has just a few little pieces here and there and ones that really get into the mainstream, but the 90% of what you have in entertainment, books, movies, and television, there's stories sub, told around the campfire. The best, best friend, the token character. Yeah. So it drives me crazy. Look, I'm a, I'm a straight, white, Protestant, middle-class male. I had all the stories. All you of them were me. gun-toting. I don't really tote them. They're, they're, they're in you the safe them. at home, yeah. Um, yes, I own pistols, sorry. And you're liberal. Oh, no, no. I'm center. 
You're center left. Not really. You're center, but you kind of lean on the left wall a little bit. I don't disagree with some of the things from the left. I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger, where fiscally I want to be conservative, but I also care about the environment and the green and taking care of people. It's a very it's a, it's a weird. But thing. see, if you're a Republican, you can't you can't. Here's there's the no problem. environment. There's nothing problem on the environment. We're not going to get a political <laughs> discussion. We can do it off the air. But in terms of as who I am, I can read a story about a woman. Yes, I can read a story about a black character. I can read a story about a heterosexual or a homosexual character. A transgender character? I don't care. Yeah. As long as the character's interesting, I don't give a damn. Right. What that character's Doesn't orientation... as long as the story is good. Exactly. Like if and if, and if, the, good, if the diversity of the character... And it's not written by Ernest Klein. It, it, yeah. Um, Shut up. <laughs> everybody's white in that book. Um, no, they aren't. Yeah, they kind of are. No, they aren't. Yes, they are, because he does. it doesn't mean anything to be anything else. That was my point. If the diversity matters to the character... That makes that character interesting. No, to me. it does because the reason that that H hides who she is, which is a black lesbian woman, and the reason she hides herself is because her mother tells her the only way to get ahead in the world is to be a white male, heterosexual male. So that's the persona she takes on on the inner or uh, in the oasis. Because that's the only way she will get accepted, Still and it turns mom. out that her mom, as 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 great as you know she was with saying this, turns out that her mom abandons her once she finds out that she's a lesbian. Okay. So there, it's very interesting. You just mm. got to read it. I did read it, it. Well, you got to. I did read it. It's still terrible. You got to read it without prejudice. You have to read. There it was no prejudice times. when I read it. As a but as I read a it middle aged as a middle aged. White male who grew up ostracized as a child because of what they liked and, and what they still like. Well, I wasn't ostracized as a child. <laughs> I was ostracized as a teenager. Or as a teenager. That's what everybody what, now likes. That's what Ernest Klein was writing about. No, he wasn't. It is. No, it's not. It I'm is. Not, I'm not going to have this argument with you because it's not what he's writing about. He's writing about, I want to be important. So here's my important thing. The world now revolves around me because I know all the, the words to war games. No. Yes. Okay. So anyway, um, Star Wars. I can read a book that doesn't have me in it. Yes. And that's fine. I don't want, I always say people always complain about um, uh, Superman. It's like, I want to relate to him. I was like, I don't. I don't want I don't want Superman to be me because let me tell you if I have the powers of Superman I'm not using them for good. Like I want Superman to be better than me. I want to be able to read that and 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 explore that character or or experience that character where he does the right thing. And I read that like yeah, you know what if I could knock down a building maybe I shouldn't do it. Right. You know, Luke as the hero was fa- it was fascinating to me and, was, and but then when you make Luke into the fallible hero, you know, Joseph Conrad's uh, you know, mythology thing that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But I found it fascinating when he was more like me, where he just gave up and he ran away even though he shouldn't I have. still like I found Ray fascinating. Ray's fascinating to me too. Granted, it would have been more story fascinating. may not have been. <laughs> it would have been more fascinating if she wasn't a Palpatine. Yes. If it really was. I loved the idea in in, in <laughs> you know watching what? the throne room scene, you get to the end with, you know, it's like you can say it. You know who where you came from. You're you're they were junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. If they would have come that? from nothing the best line, one of my favorites, you come from nothing. You are nothing, but not to me. Yeah. Because she should be nothing, and she's not. 
beautiful. And then they're like, no, you're my granddaughter. But and you're you infused with midichlorians. If you would have left it at, as she was a nobody, when she says, I'm Ray Skywalker at the end. It's even better. It would have been even better. Would have been even better. Because I, when we talked about Last Jedi, the thing that I loved is Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren should have had the perfect life. Yes. Ray, nobody, should have had a terrible life. Yes. And they're both the two most important people in the galaxy at the end of Last Jedi. Uh-huh. That was brilliant. And then she should have been a Sith Lord, and she should have been Kylo, because she has the, the blood of evil in her and everything. Well, I, I, love the, oh. I love, I love the, the, uh, how it should have ended. And Kylo's standing there with uh, Palpatine. Yeah, just like, I can right give you this and this and this. Why? Well, I'm already supreme leader. If, so, you read, if you read Allegiant or whatever, which was the comic series that led up to Rise of Skywalker, the idea is that like the First Order it's taken take, over. takes over the galaxy in like five minutes. Yeah. And they have tons of ships and they have tons of people and they're blowing everybody up. And then here it's like, we need these ships. No, you don't. Yeah. You're not. So which is it? Like, do we have, I, I still want more exploration of the sequel era. If anything, to just have the written, like, how big did the First Order get? How, did the Republic completely disappear? Or is it something that still exists in some fashion, some form? Well, the other thing I saw on uh, with uh, how it should have ended is they said that, you know, Instead of showing the broom boy at the end, they should have shown Palpatine. Yeah, because then you would have wondered like two years why he was a part of it. Yeah. I was fine with broom boy. I just wanted broom boy back. Well, he's supposed to be. He's not there. You don't see him. He was supposed to be in Duel of the Fates. Yes, but we didn't get Duel of the Fates, did we? No, we, we, got, did, we didn't get we got Rose. grandchild of the Palpatine. We didn't get Rose mattering as a, uh, mattering as a character. Man, watch the crate scene again, and you're just like, mm-hmm. none of this makes any sense anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole thing between Ro- Ro- Rose and Finn is just like, nope, yeah. push that away. Uh, so anyways, Ethan, you got anything else? Ethan's still on the line. Did you hang no, that's it. Oh, he's still there. He was just you know taking his normal. You're gonna back. read all the. Here. You're gonna read all the Project Luminous stuff, right? I mean, it's interesting to me because I've always loved the just the stories with you know just the Jedi being badasses and you know he, lightsaber fights and things like that. I think more. I would be more interested if it was something with visual, like a TV series or a movie. But there are comic I can books. see myself picking up like a comic book or something, yeah. Well, here's the thing is, this is also a great jumping on point for somebody. Here's the thing is. Here is here the, the thing, thing is. is. Here that's not right. Here's here, the thing. Here's the thing. There you go. There you go. Here's the thing. It's a great jumping on point for somebody that's never really been into Star Wars. Yeah. No, like yeah. I, I definitely you know me in general, I'm just very visual. So anything that I take in, I take it in more if, when I see it. I just so when I try to read a book and try to like use my imagination to make to the visuals, it. it's not as interesting to me as if you know, like I saw it on. Is a that because you have TV to use your imagination? Imagination. Exactly. I, my, I have no imagination. So. My uh, my visual when Rich said would said you know it's a perfect jumping on point. I just imagine someone jumping into episode seven. Who the hell is Luke Skywalker? <laughs> See the, the role coming up. Leia or who the hell is Leia Organa? What the hell's going on? I guarantee you there's a ton of people that went and saw that movie that did that exactly. I think thing. it's hard to escape that kind of character. It's it's like, you know, telling someone that, about Harry Potter and they're like, I don't know who that is. Well, somebody put a great uh somebody I don't even know what it was. Something on Facebook. They put a great analogy of Star Wars fandom is like riding a train. Or getting on a train. There are different points that you, you know, different stations you can get they're on. They're all going off the tracks. 
<laughs> but you know, it's like some people got yeah. This one guy goes, yeah, I got on the train in '77, but I got off the train when Episode Seven came out. I'm like, well, if you got off the train, why that's are you still of, there? That's a lot of sevens. Yeah, because no, they really there. hope they put the train back on the tracks. They you make it, and they make it about, they make it about white derailed. dudes who have lightsabers that come out of their penises and defeat evil in four seconds. Have you ever seen a train that's been derailed get back on the tracks? No. No. That's why I made that. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the point. So if you're a fan that the, got off the tracks because of something you didn't like. If you got off at the station, you're not getting on the next You can one. get on a bumpy. Just go go like Ready Player One or something. Hey. Something <laughs> wrong with Ready Player One. So on that note, we're going to wrap things up. <laughs> Check us out on Facebook.com slash Nerdables. We're also on Twitter at Nerdables Show and on Instagram as Nerdables. So for Chris and the disembodied Ethan, I'm R.A. saying we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, apparently just a floating voice. You're just a floating voice. It wasn't disemboweled. I said disembodied, not disemboweled. I think you said it would have been better if it was disemboweled. I don't know. know Goodbye.